Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney. Over there's Steve. It's late. It's late. Oh, it's not late. It's almost a week late. <laughs> well, recording time, yeah. It's actually uh, not... I'm not used to this. Right, right. It's back, kind of back in the old days when we recorded like two, three days before the episode released. Yeah. Uh, today we are hitting the books uh, back into uh, African fantasy, Sword and Soul, with Avangoni. Uh, First Calling is the subtitle. This is by uh, the late, great Charles R. Saunders. The Master. The Master, the Godfather of Sword and Soul. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. Uh yeah, I say Godfather of Sword and Soul, and you go to Marlon Brando. Are there any other Godfathers? And can you do can you do the African Godfather without pissing off everybody? Thank well, you. no, and I definitely I definitely cannot do James Brown, and I don't want you to. Thank you. Plus, you'd be doing George Clinton. All right, so. Uh, microphonesmadness at gmail.com for everybody who wants to get into that fight. James Brown versus George Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> that would be it. And uh, we'll uh, we'll tally up the results and uh, give the winner a big no prize. Well, yeah, considering James Brown is dead and all of, all of his old bandmates hate George Clinton. So uh, You say James Brown is dead, man. It makes me want to get out some glow sticks. <laughs> That's okay. This one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Evan Goni. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you know about this one. Speaking about beating wives. Wow. Like beating an Evan Goni. First calling. Yeah, quite the opposite. Um, what I know about this book. Yes. Uh, you know, the only thing I know background wise about this book is that, uh, and it comes from the introduction in the copy that I have that, uh, Charles Saunders originally wrote, um, Imaro as kind of a black hero, right. um, you know, something that, um, young, uh, black science fiction fans can read and identify with. Mm -hmm. um, where he made, and he, I think he basically says he made a conscious effort in that book to portray um, white people as invaders, as the enemy, because he felt that that's how it was in in like sword and sorcery books. Mm -hmm. You always had stereotypical ape-like um, black characters, right? Uh, so, and he he kind of calls it his Malcolm X. A book, whereas this is supposed to be the Martin Luther King Jr. book. This is his words, not mine. Um, where um, black people and white people meet on equal terms, mm. um, and the the um, action, I guess, in the book isn't um, adversarial or culturally adversarial like that. Mm -hmm. um, and the plot revolves around something completely different than, uh, you know, a colonial situation or an explo exploitative situation. So this this is the Martin Luther King Jr. of of um, sword and soul epic fantasy. Mm -hmm. And and yes, where where uh, Imaro was was kind of that uh, sword and sorcery in the vein of Conan. This is kind of in the in that more high fantasy uh, milieu. Uh, I really don't want to make the the comparison to the. Book it, there's no comparison to make. There's none to make because they are. This is. I don't think that the Lord of the Rings has anything to do with this novel at all. Okay, that's fair. And you're right. Um, there isn't a lot of walking. <laughs> no, but okay. So, you know, the Lord of the Rings, aside from being a walking simulation. Right. Um, 
has a definable evil guy who everyone is pitted against. Right. And it's pretty goddamn clear what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a little bit more gray area. Um, you know, there, there, it, there isn't, it doesn't have that same feel to it. Uh, uh, as ma- far as maybe, scope. Yes. Uh, I would say as far as, um, complexity of the world building, I, I would definitely say this was right up there. Yeah. But, uh, I, Imaro has, uh, just as complex yeah. building. True, true, but you know we 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 see the world primarily uh, from you know Imaro's perspective, and in this particular well, uh, book, I mean, we get argue, a couple of different you could, ones. You could argue in the Lord of the Rings, it's all Frodo, <laughs> with you know light um, interruptions of Aragorn. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it's not the perspective their perspective or anything. I just think they're like completely different books. Well, and they are this, obviously so, completely okay. different books. Let me put it to you this way. When I read something like uh, sort of Shannara or um, Robert Jordan, the wheel of time, mm. there's, it's obvious that they are trying to be Tolkien. Mm. It's obvious that Tolkien is up there on the shrine. They're burning incense. Right. Right. And, and giving him little cups of tea every day. Mm-hmm. This, I don't see that here. I don't see Saunders having made a conscious decision to say, this is my Lord of the Rings. Right. I don't see that. I, this is its own thing. And yeah, it's it's epic. And the scale, um, I won't even say the scale is bigger than Imaro. Because if you go on past uh, the first book of Imaro, mm-hmm. it, gets, it gets pretty big right it's not as episodic as imaro is so imaro especially the first book was um what do they call it a fix-up mm-hmm. where you had three different stories that he rewrote to blend into each other but there's clearly defined stories right right which is very hallmarkish of of sword and sorcery novels especially early ones mm-hmm. um so it does not have that feel. It's definitely one story that was conceived as a story. Okay. And but I, I won't say the stakes are any higher uh, because they're not. Okay. Um, but it does not focus on just one character. Where Imaro is pretty much what it says on the box. It's it's about Imaro. Right. <laughs> now now, since since we're we're in the the realm of comparison. Um, and what about, what about, say, uh, some of Clark Ashton Smith's work mm. feel like vibe wise? Yeah, maybe if, if you were, if you were trying to, I mean, by and large, I imagine most people we talk to, we can go, uh, it's Charles Saunders and they'll go, okay, yeah. All right. Down. But <laughs> no, it's, it's, I, I honestly think that it is its own thing. Right. Uh, I'm not trying to be, be a, a douche about it. Right. No, it, I, it, 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 a lot of the stuff that I've read, read of, um, of, um, Milton, mm-hmm. Milton Davis's, um, it's, well, I, I've read a lot of Milton Davis, so I'm going to just go to Milton Davis. Clearly. Um, and, and, <laughs> and, uh, Baladun Ojitade's fantasy mm. works, reminds me of this right right this is this is an origin point as opposed to um something that is derivative mm-hmm. if that stylistically and thematically um you don't have there's a there's no quest there i said it there's, there's no, no quest there's no quest um it's still uh, people acting and reacting to events that are happening, mm-hmm. right? But there's no MacGuffin. Right. There's no ring, you know. Uh, there's not an eye of the world or that you have to get. There's no uh, Shannara stones or anything like that. It's right. um, 
so remember the 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 other the other the uh, the book we read um, that was like the Egyptian Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing where the empire was uh, falling apart because the guy the emperor pronounced the gods. You mean the royal heretic? I do mean the royal heretic. By Sarah Macklin? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. I think that it's more similar to that mm-hmm. than than anything else, even though I'm sure that this was copyright 2014, not necessarily meaning it was written in 2014, it's just when it was published. Right. I think that um, stuff like that owes more to this than this owes to anything else. Okay. All right. So, I mean, you don't get to bandy around the term the master and genius, Charles Saunders, um, without meaning it. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, he's not a master because he's really good at aping, you know, the, the, the canon mm. that's out there already. He's the master because he's like, you know, he's inventive. Right, right. But then again, you know, nothing really exists in a vacuum and everything has kind of a, a place, a place in the evolution, if you will. You know, you had, you had all that other stuff back in the day and then you, you have Charles Saunders, uh, bringing African inspired fantasy and black heroes into this, into this, uh, type of type of fiction, you know, and it's, you know, it's not, it, it kind of becomes its own thread and, you know, and, and that evolves from there, but it also has its place along the, the, the evolution of, of this type of storytelling. Okay. You want to say like the, you know, you had the dinosaurs and then you had the first bird. Right. So you're, you're going further back in the DNA of, of, um, of fantasy. Yeah. Than, than, you know, Tolkien. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Of course. So yeah, at one point, uh, there was a fish that crawled out of the ocean (laughs) and, and spawned, Everything, right? Everything on land, right? Right. But you know, you look at a a uh, a bird, mm-hmm. and you look at like a salamander, mm-hmm. right? And they're clearly um, got some differences, but they both have spines, <laughs> right? Right. But I, I'm 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 thinking more along the way between like you know your you know, Pteranodon and your eagle, or, you know, I know that's not exactly the direct paleontological descendants, but, but you know what I mean? One thing evolves into the next thing, and then you get your first bird, and then all birds come from that. Your first true bird. And, and, you know, while fantasy has been around for quite some time, you know, this is the first quote unquote true bird. And that makes the other fantasy what? Snakes? Dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. But I, I don't I don't quite see it like that. Right. Um I, I think that that they're just they're different things. They're not um one's not more evolved than the other. This relies on a completely just different set of assumptions than like the Lord of the Rings does. Right. In terms of, of fantasy and what makes fantasy. I mean, the, the Lord of the Rings, and we're just going to use that as the prime example, because I'm sure that a lot of people are familiar with it. And, and, um, and every single freaking show like this has to, it's, it's, it's in the contract, dude. I, I, I read it before we started recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it, revolves around this the ring it's a MacGuffin, right mm-hmm. it's there and, and all people's um their their actions their reactions 
their plans, their hopes, their dreams, everything is revolving around the ring, right? Right. And, you know, it, it happens in a lot of, of fantasy. I mean, it's just people like Tolkien and mm-hmm. it, it was immensely popular and it works. And, you know, despite what you may think, they're actually really good books. So that's why people emulate Tolkien. Right. But this doesn't emulate Tolkien. Right. It, it doesn't revolve around that. It, it's, it's the stakes are different. It's the fate of, of a people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, the soul of, of, a, of, a, of an empire is, is what the stake is as opposed to, I, I don't want to give much away, you know, cause you know, people want to read this. Right. But the stake of this empire doesn't revolve around a MacGuffin, no. right? It revolves around the blood, sweat, and tears of the people who are actually doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's more um, reliant upon historical fiction, I guess. Okay. Than than you know Tolkien, which still has its roots, um, I think, in like Robert E. Howard kind of stuff mm-hmm. right um, Milton Davis you know you read Milton Davis and like Changa is basically historical fiction with like some magic tossed in mm-hmm. and and this feels a lot more like that but the scope is bigger mm-hmm. like so so like Changa his whole thing is you know he's got to get revenge right he's got to build up his 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 wealth and his reputation. So he has enough to get revenge for the, for the enslavement of his mother and sister and the death of his father. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, but it's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's, let's cut the shit of, uh, talking, talking about it in generalities. Uh, let's, let's just sink our teeth right into this, this book. Um, and it is a, it's a, it's, bit of a chunky boy um, well, about 351 pages in my my physical copy here yeah my um my e-copy has 465 pages and and but what, that's you know that's my font right. size right there now we are talking about uh matile mata or matile mala sorry the 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 kingdom here and it is it is a it is a kingdom an empire in decline. Yeah, um, it's it's seen better days. And one of the things that that really strikes me in in the way that uh, Saunders uh, writes the prose of this book is when you first start reading and, and they're going through the the titular first calling uh, ritual, the world feels old and and worn out no i mean he basically tells you that yeah but i mean in the, within the first chapter you find out that the gods who once um were very active in the lives mm-hmm. of the people of this empire um have have uh retreated right uh with occasionally uh, they might uh, make their presence known during one of these uh, calling rituals. Right. But that that's about it. Right. Right. And, and, and even, even then, you know, there's, there's several customs and practices of, of, of the Matile Mala civilization that, um, you know, we are introduced to through the course of, of the, the text and the events of the story where people are just like, you know, this is a ritual that's so old, we don't even really know why we do it anymore. We just kind of right. do. Right. And and he he makes it a point to show you what the cultural significance of the ritual is mm-hmm. as opposed to the practical significance of right. the ritual. So you have all these representatives from... Um, uh, I guess client states <laughs> mm-hmm. is a 
is a kind way to put it. Yeah, the va- um, the vassal kingdoms. Yeah, uh, that that basically come to observe this, and it is a uh, strengthening of the bond between the empire and its subjects. Right, right. You have you have the capital city. And then you have all the nobles and and uh, the upper crust there within the city. You have the upper crust from the surrounding rural regions. Uh, you have the emissaries of the dwarves who who have come to to witness this ritual. And it's uh, if I recall correctly, first calling is the beginning of the rainy season. Yeah, so it's like a it's cyclic, right? It's, right. It's the it's called the first calling because it's the beginning of their their year. Right. Right. It's it's the or, new or at least or at least the the spiritual year. Right. It's like the New Year's party, and we begin with uh, a young priestess who is essentially uh, the ball dropping. Right. <laughs> now, as this ritual is going on, uh, we we encounter something bizarre because the world is so ancient um, and there was a cataclysmic event uh, at some point in the past. I don't recall if it says exactly how long ago it was. Uh, the uh, War of Storms, I believe it was. Yeah, so th- there was a, a there was basically a, a huge battle that went on that took place both on the physical plane and the various spiritual planes. Right. Um, which ended up fucking up the weather. And it was a while ago uh, out of living memory, but not um, so long ago that people didn't know what happened. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was thinking like probably around 500, 600 years prior. Right. It, the, the, uh, the, the, Super high stakes MacGuffin world ending event <laughs> was in the past of this story. Yeah. So and and this story really does um, rely a lot on um, the past catching up to the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's more or less, you know, what's going on. Right. Right. A connection to history. A connection to the past. Uh, on on both the the broad level mm-hmm. and and on the very personal level, uh, history weighs a lot on a lot of these characters. It does, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So so during the first calling ritual, a ship appears uh, in the harbor of the capital, interrupts the ceremony. Uh, almost kills our our young priestess, and it is a, a ship full of the Fidi, who are a presumably European uh, type of people uh, from across the sea, but separated from from the from the Matile by this ever present storm like a hurricane that just like sits out in the middle of the ocean and, and presents itself as this nigh impassable physical barrier between these two uh, nations. Continents. And, and continents. Continent, they were both continent spanning nations, if I recall at one point. Uh, and if reforging a connection that was lost through this cataclysmic event. And and much of the book deals with kind of the shock to the, to the Matile culture with the arrival of these people and their mysterious motives and, and just the miraculous journey they took through this terrible storm. Right. And, and that's where the action really, really picks up. Yeah, so the, the plot starts to be driven by that and you start to get um well there is a little bit of spiritual colonialism going on Mm -hmm. and um so it's not quite martin luther king but it's definitely not um you know 
And it's definitely not um, Malcolm X either. <laughs> um, but because the um, the gods have basically left the building, the right. the Phoebe uh, come with um, their own god, um, who is very very active. Right, a, a new god. Who is an all, an older, almost forgotten god, right? Who's extremely active um, in the lives of the believers. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's how they cross the Sea of Storms mm-hmm. with the direct intervention of said god. And so now, here's where that's the setup, right? right? Mm-hmm. That, that's you know that's like the the first part of the book that's the part that kind of ropes you in then history catches up with um everyone right right the arrival of this of this ship and and the new god uh is is the domino that tips that starts everything else going right and and like i said earlier want you to read this for yourself so Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna we're gonna keep it keep it um as spoiler free as possible, but I think mechanically, in order to facilitate what was happening, you get this huge information dump. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's huge, and it's not just limited. You get bits and pieces of this information dump as the book goes on, as it's needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, truth be told, it kind of drags it down a little bit. Right, right. I would say, I would say the first, the first third of the book uh, is, is a lot of the, the, the necessary world building from the cultural and historical perspective. Um Right, that that you kind of need to understand what's going on, but I do believe that uh, this particular part of the book could have used a bit of a firmer hand in the editing process. Yeah, I just I don't know. I think it definitely could have um, benefited from somebody saying, "Don't do this," mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and I. I I kind of get the feeling that the person who edited it, full disclosure, my copy of it has like a few pages at the end of the editing notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it kind of sounds like the um, the editor was kind of like, oh, it's Charles Saunders. Yay. <laughs> um, they were definitely a fan. Mm-hmm. Which isn't bad. You want some, your editor to like what you're doing. Right, but these—I kind of get it. Was like starstruck. They were starstruck as opposed to being a fan, which I don't think benefits anyone. Right. That being said, you can't put it all on editing. I mean, someone had to write it as well, and I think that the way this historical information is presented could have been handled better in terms of when you get the information that you need. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and a lot of it could have been, yeah, edited down a lot, but, or, or even, yeah. or even to a, to an extent arranged somewhat differently. Well, that's what I'm saying is it doesn't have, it didn't have to be in one big chunk. Right it could have come out more organically mm. in, in the storytelling. And I think that is, there's parts of it that actually do that. One of the things that, that Saunders does in this book is he has um, three or four different factions working, right? Right. And each faction has its own little storyline from a specific point of view. Mm-hmm. One or two, right? And uh, you get a lot of this information when you jump to another faction. They give you a little bit more of what's going on in the background. 
right? Mm-hmm. Right. And and I think that treating the the world building and the history that way was a lot more interesting and made me want to read more when it was like that, as opposed to when it was the Vulcan mind meld and you were just getting just dump information directly from someone's mind. Right. Yes. And, and especially, um, on the side of the, the, the Matile, the Matile side, we got like the entirety of, of their history within this chapter. Yeah. You didn't honestly, you're, yeah. So you didn't need all that. Right. Right. You, the, the pertinent information was what set up the conflict of the story. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause there's definitely a conflict of the story and it's a big, big fucking conflict. And there's definitely part of the history that is relevant to that conflict, but you know what? That wasn't even in that information dump. Right. You got that. You got that later. That came later. That yes. came later. So that really, that whole, whole section of the history of of the empire could have been glossed over in a couple of paragraphs, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to, um, you know, a chapter, a long chapter of it. And the same thing with it the, with their opposite with the Feely, with his his story. You could have just given the highlights, right? Yeah, we're we're focusing a lot on the first third of, of the book, and that that really is where a majority of uh, any uh, any clunkiness is be, because of the nature of having to. Uh, well, I don't know necessarily about having to, but front loading all of the world building, and yeah, this is this is where th- the most challenging part of the read, all of the ingredients are there to make this book really shine. Um, because when it's good, it's fucking amazing. For example, the climactic battle uh, that takes place over multiple chapters where we get all the various factions' point of view and, and what they're doing during this period, uh, that is just amazingly well done. And, and was gripping. I didn't really find it all that gripping. You, you didn't. You didn't find it all that gripping. Uh, you know. I, no. No. I'll tell you. Like I kind of found it a little um, ponderous. Really? Um, yeah. I. I think he ended the chapters well enough to make me want to see what happened next. Mm-hmm. But as it was going on, I wasn't, um, I just didn't feel invested. And maybe that's because it was so like harsh with the world building in the beginning that it just put me off. Right. right. But, um, it, it was definitely uh, a, a different, a, a jarring change in pacing for sure. Yeah. I, and, and I think I thought that there was, um, too much. Uh, going on, there were too many points of view being juggled, mm-hmm. um, and um, he kept on putting off and putting off things that I, I that I think could have been revealed earlier mm-hmm. um, until you finally got to the big reveal at the end. Um, and it, at, at that point, just really, it it didn't feel like it was all that shocking. I think it could have been handled uh, better. Right, right. I, I think there because, was a bit. I, I think the yeah that that the final moment, the big realization. Right. All, right. all you got were details. That was the big surprise. Were the details of of the big reveal as mm-hmm. opposed to like a twist where you're like, holy shit, that happened. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, that's how it happened. Right, right. And, you know, I, I just think that Saunders is a better writer than that. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, certainly if we had stuck with um, one or two perspectives uh, during the sequence, it would have been a little more intense. I just think this stuff but, got lost. 
I, you might be right. You might be right. Um, I, I just found that particular sequence uh, really engaged me because, you know, my imagination really got to working there and, and tr- you know, tracking all of this stuff. This heat, Because it really is, it, it, for me, it kind of like gave the scope of the battle was bouncing back and forth. But on the other hand, this was something and... And this is also possible for for the uh, first third of the book as well. The the story building part is that it really felt like a a treatment for a television series, if you know what I mean. I mean, maybe like like you know the the cuts in the scenes weren't necessarily the way you would cut a scene in a novel. It was the way you would cut a scene in a film or a television series. Yeah. You know, you would get a commercial break or, or, or an episode break, and then you would come back into the overarching plot, but from a slightly different perspective. Yeah. You know who's really good at at doing what you try to do? And I I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna piss you off for the rest of this episode is uh Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King his biggest strength is writing these minor characters to get to push a plot point, right? Mm-hmm. And he does it really well. And because there's things that had to happen for this plot to go on. And that's why you had these factions and these um, minor characters doing stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was handled very well. But goddamn Stephen King does. That's his biggest strength is you can have like a, you know, a book like it, which is bigger than the fucking Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. And has all these like little side things going on and they're all interesting and they make their point and that's and then they're gone. Right. Right. And and it keeps you interested in it and it never feels contrived. And at, at some points, you're just like, why am I paying attention to this character? And it finally, it pays, it pays off in the end. You're like, that could have been handled. Right. And, and more than the world build, right, and the information dump, that's what really bugged me about this was just it could have been handled better. And maybe that's, you know, that's a, an editing issue. Maybe that is like, a, you know, you have to... Um, be more terse with this character mm-hmm. whenever she appears. Be more terse and and say what you need to say and get the fuck out. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a lot of it because like the whole thing with the thieves, you know, I could have done without it all. And and the ship's rat. Mm-hmm. It, it like it was like okay, here we go. Why do I give a shit about this guy? Right, right. And, you know, and it, it happens in the end. You figure out, oh, that's why I give a shit about this character. Right. But I just didn't think, like, well, the journey of that character arc was all that mm-hmm. interesting. And there's a couple of characters like that, unfortunately. Right, right. I, I agree. Um, and there were points where I was reading through through this and thinking that really for all of these disparate elements to to really kind of come together this could have been three possibly four novels in its own in their own oh right. god no 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 i think it needed to be small small oh. <laughs> right god, no, three well, well what well, you you see you see what i'm saying though is he had like three books worth of stuff going on Right, yeah, I mean, and yeah, and some of it could have been cut, but uh, some of it I found to be kind of interesting, um, you know. But yeah, you're right. you're right. Yeah. There were there were things people that were introduced, um, that that really didn't didn't take Chekhov's gun to heart. It's like yeah. you know, don't you? And we introduced this character in the first act. And we never see it see him again until the third. Well, you don't really need to. It, it depends on what that character is getting done, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't need much of a history of a character to have them have an effect on the plot. You don't have to follow their every move. 
to have an effect on the plot. You just have to set up who they are and set up what they did mm-hmm. or what they're doing, right? And you right. don't have to really get in depth with minor characters, right? It's true. And if if said minor character becomes a major character later on, then you pick them up when they actually matter mm-hmm. or af- after that point. Right. Uh, where they matter. And I don't, I, I, you know, the fucking Wheel of Time comes to mind. And the Wheel of Time is 12 books that could have been three. <laughs> now, <laughs> honestly, here, this, this is the thing that, that kind of gets me. And it, it goes along a little bit with what you're saying. Um, and, and part of the problem with with certain characters where they didn't interact with anybody else for the most yeah, part. Yeah, so it's and, like you really don't know why are we even talking to this character? They're not interacting with with this group or that group. In particular, the ship's rat um, isolates himself from the rest of the cast from its from his first appearance, right? And interacts with uh, with the uh, with the Sotsis, right? But to get one goddamn thing done at the end of the book, right? Right, to, to which sets something up, right? But I mean, that's <laughs> when you like you know you deal with that when you need to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my theory is that Charles Saunders is a short story writer mm-hmm. who um, whose novels were basically episodic. And, you know, you make that into a novel. There's three different stories. You you string them together and they become a novel. But really, you're looking at three different stories, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you have here is you have a bunch of different stories that he's trying to weave into a, a, a coherent work. And I don't think that whoever was, like, coaching him to do that uh, knew how to either broach the subject with him mm-hmm. or just didn't know what they were doing either. Right. He, I just think there needed to be somebody in there to like, be like, you have to make this more organic. This has to flow. And I think that's the missing piece in this. Isn't that it's a bad story. Cause it's not, it's a, it's a good story. It's, it's interesting. I just think that it could have been mechanically, um, dealt with to make it interesting. Right. Right. It could have been it, focus. Yeah. You know, you know home t- in, t- home t- in on your main characters, your main themes, focus technique. You know, I think, I think it, it you know, it, it's un- the unfortunate thing is if you're a pioneer, right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're out there. You're, you're it. <laughs> Right, 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 and people look up to you, and there's no one um, who's sitting there, like going, "Okay, here's some things that you can do technique-wise to um, facilitate your storytelling." Right, exactly, and I think that's where it falls short. Is is I just think there's a gap between uh, a short story writer and a long novel writer uh, mm-hmm. that needed to be spanned and you know the only way you do that is you write right right <laughs> i mean that's that's how, how that happens is now i would say i would say one of the other flaws uh in in this particular novel is that it is the the series flaw where the resolution of the first book isn't you know, it just sets up for the next episode. Yes. Where, no. Whereas, I think we've discussed this many times, that, uh, you know, when you have a first book in a series, that you really, it should be kind of self-contained. Right. Now, I'll blame that squarely on J.R.R. Tolkien's editors. <laughs> no, hear me out. Okay, go for the, it. The Lord of the Rings was originally written as one novel. Mm-hmm. You know, bigger than the Bible, right? Gigantic book. I actually have it. I have a copy of it as one book. 
Yes, that, so do I. My my son is currently reading. It, and the I have the mine division, in a plastic bag that I use as a bludgeoning instrument. <laughs> the the three novels were a construction of the editing of the sales. <laughs> they didn't think that it would sell, so they divided divided it into three books now was that's it a, wasn't it originally shorter. serialized in newspaper or a magazine uh i don't believe it was okay i don't think we're talking about charles dickens <laughs> no i don't think it was i okay. might be wrong i'm pretty sure it was written and published as a novel or as three apparently so but that actually became like the the gold standard of fantasy uh, writing is, you know, your trilogy. Sword of Shannara, trilogy originally. Mm-hmm. Originally, The Wheel of Time was going to be a trilogy and written as a trilogy. Though they did end the first one like it was like a standalone novel. So it's got that going for it. Right. <laughs> so. I think that, you know, you approach, I'm going to write a trilogy. And I think there's a problem with that because it's just a flawed thinking process. It wasn't, the, the, the gold standard was never meant to be a trilogy. It was meant to be a book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you're right. You write it as if it's a novel, as one book. Right, and you end you end it where it's supposed to end, and if your editors want to, or the sales staff wants to cut it up, then let them. Right, um, but but you know, t- series get long, people fall off unless unless they're really fucking good, um, and you know, nine out of ten times they disappoint. Right, right. And I'll go to Stephen King again for The Dark Tower, which was conceived as a series. And that last book sucked. <laughs> the last couple of books sucked. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's, yeah, he wanted to get it done because he thought he was going to die. But mm-hmm. Right. And, and the, the other huge uh, fantasy series, uh, Game of Thrones, where we've been... Song of Ice and Fire. Song of Ice and Fire. Um, what it's been almost two decades waiting on the next book in that. Yeah, there's like two books that he still has to write, and they probably aren't going to happen. Right. So, yeah, and you know, I, and I can understand that you you're trying to write this massive series of books. I mean, I'm sure you get burned out. Right. On, on oh yeah, this. of course. You know, and that's that's probably part of it as well. Robert Jordan didn't even finish his series. He had to get Brandon Sanderson or whatever the fuck his name was. Brian Sanderson. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The guy who doesn't write for Call of Cthulhu. You had to get him to finish his book on notes. And he was supposed to write one book and stretch that the fuck out into like Yeesh. Yep. But uh, yeah, to to wrap it up and, and bring the focus right back to to Abengoni, um, first calling, first calling uh, by Charles Saunders. It is uh, you know you don't have to take our word for it. Uh, pick it up at mvmedia.com, Link in the description. Uh, check it out for yourself. Let us know what you think. Um, you know, TLDR when it where it's good, it's good. And and yeah. where where it's clunky, it's clunky. Yeah, I'm I'm. It's unfortunate that there were issues with the editing, and it's even more unfortunate that uh, Mr. Saunders Saunders is no longer with us because, you know that I, it's, you know I don't think anybody's first effort is going to be a, a home run. No, no. You know, and and if he had had the right. Um, people behind him, I guess, or along with him, I think, you know, he could have made, like, written novels that were, you know, up to the standards of his short work. Mm-hmm. 
definitely all the ingredients for for something special though i i can definitely yeah, see yeah that. i mean it's a it's you know it's slice in time mm-hmm. and and really that's what that's what it is it's your mileage may vary go check it out um you know oh you know i say all this stuff but it, you know, honestly it is charles saunders so right right so it's worth checking out regardless it's, yeah it's not like the guy was like a a slouch <laughs> right you know like a a mediocre charles saunders novel beats the shit out of a really good robert jordan novel so, <laughs> yeah. bam all right so yep that's it for this week uh join us next time when we'll be talking the devil in silver by victor laval we will and we actually get to announce it at the end of the episode because uh, we we actually know beforehand for once <laughs> <laughs> what we're doing. Uh, also, speaking of MV Media, don't forget to uh, go out there and uh, get yourself a pre-order copy of Spy Funk, right, 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 featuring featuring a story by oh, you know, some some jackass named Rodney. Yeah. Uh, yes, who who Rodney. got included along uh, with some other other better writers? I'm clapping for you. You're clapping for me. <laughs> yes, golf clap for those of, of you who, who missed the last time we announced this. <laughs> hey, hey! I want this. I want this book to make a lot of money for Milk. <laughs> I do too. I I want people to to read it. I want people to read your story. And read obviously, everybody else's story. Read the whole damn book. <laughs> obviously, we're not going to be uh, reviewing that one on the show. Nope. Nope. Well, we can. We, we do, just have to. Uh, if, if we do, it'll be called the divorce episode. <laughs> the divorce episode. <laughs> yeah, listen listen to, to Steve like ruthlessly trash my story. I like your writing. <laughs> I do. I know. I, I know. read. A, I read a number of your stories, and I enjoy them. I bought a couple of books just to read your story and ignore everything else. Mm-hmm. So, wow, thank you. I'm not going to name any names. High praise from the person I'm sitting here across from every couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yep, that's it for us. And until My next friend, time, go fuck yourself. That's right. Now more than ever.